Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. I've got a very special episode for you today. We'll be profiling the Riviera Country Club in Pacific Palisades, California, just outside of Los Angeles. I had the great honor of visiting the club for the U.S. Amateur Preview Round. From top to bottom, I was so impressed by the staff and the level of hospitality that I was shown. And I'm so excited to just bring you a little taste of what I experienced at the Riviera Country Club on this episode for you today. So thank you for being with me here on another episode. This is really going to be a good one because there are so many ideas and lessons that you'll learn from the management team, from Donald Emery, the general manager, right on down, that this is one you're going to want to probably listen to a couple times over. It's that good. All right, before I bring on the team, I want to invite you to a webinar that I'm doing with the National Club Association at the end of the month. It's happening on August 31st at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we're calling it Modern Membership Strategies. If you've ever wanted to know how to engage the younger demographics, the millennials out there, and the younger generations, I'm going to give you a simple seven-step formula for attracting those younger generations. So once again, check out education.nationalclub.org and get signed up. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mr. Donald Emery, general manager of the Riviera Country Club. Don grew up on Long Island. His love of the club industry came at an early age when he applied and started his lifelong club career, holding down a variety of entry-level jobs at the Huntington Crescent Club. From these humble beginnings, he was selected to attend the prestigious Cornell School of Hospitality Management. During college, he interned at fine clubs such as Beach Point Club and the Yale Club of New York City. Don has managed fine clubs like the Key Biscayne Yacht Club, Interlock and Country Club, Royal Palm Yacht and Country Club in Florida, and is currently the general manager of the Riviera Country Club and the Riviera Tennis Club in Pacific Palisades. He's taught for FLCMAA in the State University System of Florida, has been a guest lecturer at many colleges, including Cornell University, and is a sought-after speaker for the CMAA, PGA, and USPTA, who awarded him the Manager of the Year in California in 2013. He's been nominated for Club Executive of the Year Award three times by his intern teams and staff, and is currently on the advisory board of the Collins School of Hospitality at Cal Poly Pomona. Don, welcome to Private Club Radio. Wow, thanks. I didn't recognize uh, who you were talking about, but I appreciate, uh, <laughs> appreciate the lead-in. That's pretty, that's pretty good. So yeah. happy to have, have you with me, but I also have our, some of our key team members with us today, and, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, Don. Well, first off, I wanted to get into a little about the great history at Riviera. Can you give me an overview of the club and from its uh, beginnings until where it is today? You know, one of the great things about the Riviera Country Club is the amazing history. And to think of, of who and, and what happened at our club and on our property. Uh, originally founded by the Los Angeles Athletic Club in 1926, the golf course was built and also um, a couple hundred acres of polo fields. And the neat thing is the golf course was so well known in the 20s and 30s that the 1929 LA Open, one of the first ones that they were held, 
was held here at Riviera, won by McDonald Smith. The polo fields, not to be outdone, uh, were host to the 1932 Olympic equestrian events that they held on our polo fields. And, and, and from that kind of, let's call it humble beginnings, the club really blossomed. And um, lots of PGA tournaments. In fact, we're going to be hosting our 55th PGA tournament this coming February. Wow. Uh, the club's hosted a, a U.S. Open, two PGA championships, a U.S. Senior Open, the uh, NCAA Men's Championship in 2012. And we're real excited that coming up in uh, just two weeks is the United States Amateur Championships. Yeah, I was just there, in fact, uh, as, a, as your guest to preview the course for the USGA Amateur. And man, that, that place is looking really good. It's in great shape over there. You know, the team really, Matt Morton and his team on golf, our, our executive chef, Simon Lewis, as well as all the folks and uh, the front of the house, Martin and his crew really have the place humming. You know, we also have tennis courts now at the club. They, they got rid of the polo fields about um, 1963 and uh, put in tennis, tennis courts. And the tennis club, uh, the, the Williams sisters learned to play on our courts as part of a reach out program that the club has. Wow. And we've hosted the ITA, the International Tennis Association, their uh, classic which is called the women's all-american tennis championships for over 32 years as well so i mean the place is really an exciting vibrant vibrant club and you have such a, a diverse history of, of some really famous uh characters that have graced those doors there and have graced the golf course can you tell me a little bit more about some of the uh fantastic members you've had there at the riviera oh oh my gosh we we have such a rich history you know hollywood was always close to the Riviera and everybody from Greta Garbo, Errol Flynn, Douglas Fairbanks. My gosh, Walt Disney was a member for, for goodness sakes and, and gave us the flagpole that's right out front of our clubhouse that he was in charge of the Squaw Valley Winter Olympics and he took the flagpole and brought it back to the club. Nice. Um, we, we have a great story that Errol Flynn got kicked out for a while because he swung on the chandeliers in the middle of the crystal ballroom. You've been there for a press conference, actually, and know how gorgeous that is. Mm -hmm. Um, On the golf front, you know, if you look at who's won tournaments at Riviera, it's a who's who decade after decade of the top of golf. Uh, Ben Hogan won the U.S. Open here, and he actually won two L.A. Opens in an 18-month span along with with the U.S. Open. Uh, earning Riviera the nickname Hogan's Alley. Uh, we've had great champions uh, all the way through um, Bubba Watson and Dustin Johnson recently, uh, but going back to the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, any time that there's a, a classic top golfer they've won at Riviera, we're so proud to have uh, 16 members of the World Golf Hall of Fame that have won at Riviera. That's, that's a testament to that to the the, the long standing uh, design of the of the course. I would think. You know, the golf course was uh, built and designed by George Thomas, who also uh, designed L.A. North and Bel Air Country Club. Interesting thing: Thomas was a a man of means from the Midwest who had come out to Pasadena. He uh, did hybrid roses over twelve hundred varieties to his name. Uh, he raised show dogs, and he dabbled in golf course architecture. 
fact, the, the story goes that he never took a cent for designing Riviera Country Club because he didn't think of himself as a professional golf course architect. He just used it as a hobby. Well, what a, what a great hobby. <laughs> what a great hobbyist. He really did quite a good job. Yeah, I'd say so for sure. It, 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 it stand the test of time. As you said, having the greats throughout history of each of their generations to, to lift the trophy there, it really is a testament to that design. And obviously he knew what he was doing. Um, next question for you, Don. When I was there, I noticed on your walls and you mentioned that you have a saying that you and your staff uh, have there at the club about being the best. Can you tell folks about that, Don? Yeah, actually, it's our vision statement. And our, our vision statement was part of um, our founder from the Los Angeles Athletic Club, Frank Garbeth. And his comment was that only the best is good enough. And what was amazing when they built the golf course, it was the second most expensive golf course built at that time. Only Yale University was, was a higher price. And when they put the clubhouse together in 1929, it was the fifth largest building project in the United States of America for that year. And so our, our vision, what drives us each and every day is that in whatever we do, whether it's food and beverage, golf, tennis, hospitality, is that only the best is good enough for us and for our members. I love that. And it shows because as I said, I, you know, me being there, I really got to experience that and it, it felt that way. You guys have such a, a wonderful history and you really do a good job of putting it on display. In fact, when I was there, I got a brochure when I checked into the hotel of a walking tour of the history of the Riviera Country Club that I could take. And you actually also give people guided tours. Can you tell folks about how that works? We're so happy. Our owner, Mr. Watanabe, is just a student of history and a student of golf and has just put large amounts of money the last three, four years into displaying our history and sharing it with all of our, our guests and our members. And, and we've worked with Tom Neal of Private Club Historical, and he's helped us kind of bring the stories to life. So throughout the club, each room in each area has certain displays, whether it's our Olympic history. Oh, by the way, if, you know, I meant to tell you, we've just been chosen for the 2028 Olympics for LA, wow. and Riviera is going to be the golf course. Congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you. Our Olympic history continues, but it could be the PGA events that we've held. It could be the USGA championships that have been part of the club, or it could be our Hollywood, our Hollywood aspect of the club. It's all, it's all in in full black and white and color all over the club. and, And there's great tours that people can take, or we can guide them on to learn about that history. Yeah, I love the memorabilia and things that you have. I stayed in the Elizabeth Taylor room and there was all sorts of pictures and biographies of Elizabeth who had trained there on the polo grounds, how to ride horses for one of her movies as a young girl. Um, moving on though, Don, from, from what I witnessed at my time there, you're clearly on top of your game as a manager. And if you were to boil down your management style to just a few simple lessons that other managers out there listening to the show could take back to their clubs, what would they be for you? You know, I was really lucky in my career that I always had people who pushed me as a, as a young manager to, to strive for that excellence. And because of my education, I was given some tools that, that a lot of people maybe hadn't been given in their life. So I'm, I'm kind of blessed that I'd been pushed and given tools to try to succeed. And, you know, if you ask my staff, and I'm sure you're going to ask them in a little bit, we really pushed the staff hard at Riviera. We, we, 
try different things. We constantly change and evolve. And through that, I think we produce a member experience and a club experience that's really top notch. We're not, you know, we're not um, content with what we've done yesterday. Um, for example, we had a great U.S. Amateur preview, and thank you for mentioning that. But, you know, that was yesterday. Now, what are we going to do today, and how are we going to interact with the members, and, and what are we going to do for the, the world who's coming to see us for the U.S. Amateur? So it's about constant improvement and, and constant change. But I think it's also about hospitality, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure some of the staff will talk in a little bit about the hospitality aspect. Um, but we think that's a, a critical part of our mission. Yep, fantastic. Well, let's let's turn it over to Martin Fuentes here. He's the club services manager at the Riviera Country Club. So, Martin, my first question for you is: What makes Riviera so special in your mind, Martin? Good morning, Gabriel, and everybody. Uh, what makes the Riviera difference, as Miss Amory mentioned, is our history our legacy of not only golf, but hospitality in, in, in this business. And, and that's what we work for on, on a daily basis here at the Riviera. What is it like, Martin, dealing with like such an exclusive membership like Riviera? I mean, you've literally got the, some of the top Hollywood stars there, some of the most famous athletes around the country and owners of uh, NFL and NBA teams and whatnot. What's it like dealing with that, that exclusive type of membership? Well, I think one of the mo most important procedures we have here at the club is the member recognition. And, and that's the foundation of our hospitality in all aspects. Uh, identify every single member. We're working on, uh, on, on constantly renew our data on member preferences and what they like and, very important, what they don't like. Yeah. And from there, it makes our job a lot easier and provides us with great tools to provide the superb hospitality. Yeah. Like I said, it shows. I saw it firsthand. It was quite, quite impressive. Martin, tell us about the mission of Riviera. What is the, the mission of the club and, and how are you guys working each day to fulfill that mission? Yes, uh, we will create memorable moments by providing genuine hospitality and personalized service, enabling the club to reach its targets. That's our mission. And as Ms. Emery mentioned, we as, as, as he says, he pushed our team and me and my team to do the best and, 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 and perform at highest levels of, of excellence. And so we lead by example. And uh, what we do is we constantly train the staff because I can understand this mission and I live by this, believe me. I, I run my life by these principles and vision and core values, but that's my boss boy, the new hire, understand these uh, concepts. So that's where we work on a daily basis to make sure the staff from bottom to top understand what means uh, genuine uh, hospitality, personalized service. And it reflects on, on, on the events we do on a daily basis. Uh, as, as maybe you experience when you visit the Riviera, we try to identify the guests when they enter for the first time at the club through their whole uh, visit over the club and identify what they like, uh, who the person is, and, and apply these to different details on, on, on their visits. I like what you said there about, you know, teaching the, the new folks that are coming in you know, how, about the mission and, and, and about hospitality. What are some uh, techniques that you use in order to do that, Martin? Well, uh, it's, uh, 
humans learn different ways, listening, uh, looking at things, and doing it. So that's where we make emphasis on, 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 on our daily trainings. We do lineups every day on, on our dining room areas, on our banquets. We do uh, pre-event meetings where we go deep on details or on guest preferences. If we have to identify a very important for the, for the club, menus, time, standards, and, 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 and work the staff to, to have them ready for the show, uh, motivate them to, to provide the best. We do role play, as, as I said, we lead by example. And uh, uh, I'm the first one in, in, in the front of the house to do the things myself. Mm-hmm. If I have to do what the dishwasher does or the busboy does, I will do it at a high level of performance to show the staff that that's what we expect. We constantly do uh, training sessions where we show videos of great things that are done in other places. We, we constantly look for new ways to do simple things. And, and, and we have a standard operating procedures for all we do. So I think that's the key of our success. And that's how we, we, we train our staff. Yeah. For me, it seemed like you guys really have just bred a culture of excellence there. And I was so impressed by that. Next up, I'm going to bring Kurt Waldemuth. He's the hospitality manager at the Riviera Country Club. Kurt, you showed us some some wonderful hospitality. You were the first person that I saw when I stepped off the gate at the airport. So thank you for that. For you, for you, Kurt, what makes Riviera so special? Um, well, actually, there's there's a lot of things, but one of them is just uh, there's there is a special relationship between members and staff. Let me give you an example. One of them, like down in our our dining room, we've got a couple of dining room staff members, Antonio Soto and Rosa Manzon. Um, Antonio's been here over 30 years and Rosa's been here uh, over 12 years. And it's amazing. Like in the morning, what they'll do is uh, on a Saturday morning, all the golfers, regular guys, these are all guys who are in the entertainment business, you know, you know, high, um, high income guys, but they've known Rosa and Antonio for years and years. And they really, it's funny though, maybe a lot of clubs are like this, but they'll almost talk in code to them. They'll come in, nod, they don't even have to give them. They don't. They already know what they want. They'll get it set for them, or the guys in the bag room will come over and say, "Hey, uh, can you guys get, you know, a certain member of their stuff?" Sure, no problem. And all this is going on while there's a full dining or you know a busy dining room, and it's 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 fun to see that. And the members, um, they, our staff really tries to take care of the members, and um, it's one of the. I think it's one of the special things of, of private clubs, as the Riviera especially. Sure. Now, you, Kurt, like many of the staff that you mentioned, you've been at Riviera for a really long tenure as well. How many years is it for you now? Uh, 28. This is the 28th wow. year. <laughs> We're in an industry where folks move around a ton. So why have you stayed so long in one place? Well, you know, it's a great place. First of all, when you talk about the history, it's just, it really is a pleasant place to come to. It's just, it's a beautiful spot. Um, again, a lot of our staff have been here a long time. I mean, I've been here 28 said Antonio's been here for over 30. The, the, the guys in the bag room, um, Jose, Sal, um, and um, uh, Roberto, they've been here over 30 apiece. Just wow. great guys. But they, they're all, um, you know, it's a, we've got a really good staff. Uh, our members are very interesting. Um, we've got a great owners. Mr. Watanabe is, uh, you know, he, he expects the best, and, and we try to provide it, uh, Mr. Emery. Uh, Miss Miss Watanabe, Mr. Terashima, they're all uh, you know we've got good management. 
Um, so it's been a good place to stay. The club, you know, it's it's changed. You know, it's a different club now than it was 28 years ago, but it's actually gotten better. The course is in the best shape, literally, of all the years I've been here. It's 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 incredible. And uh, Matt Staff, they just do a great job, and and it's just a pleasure coming to work each day. You've had, I think, uh, the facilities uh, manager or the uh, maintenance man there has been there for over 45 years. Is that is that what I heard? Well, Roberto, uh, Roberto, who is he's been here close to he's been here 25 i think maybe he's 27 okay. actually okay. but we That's had a long, max, time. <laughs> long time and actually one of our uh maxes are he was the uh in our golf maintenance department he was the head mechanic he was here over 43 years he just That's retired last year That's who it was the head mechanic right wow so you know let me ask you since being there for over 20 yourself i mean what keeps you excited and motivated after that many years to still walking? Because, you know, I got to I gotta say, you know, your demeanor, it looked like it was your first day on the job every time I saw you, Kurt. And it was a testament again to, to each and every one of the, the staff there. But what, what keeps you excited and motivated to get up and get there and, and serve the members after so long? Um, you know, we've got a, the culture here is, we've, we've got a great culture here at the club. Um, you know, it's just a good place to work. Like, you know, like Mr. Emery and, and Jim and Martine said, I mean, every day we're trying to get better. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, so many members who we interact with who really expect, you know, they expect a lot. Um, our guests, we have uh, really nice weddings, functions here. They expect a lot. And it is a challenge every day to do that. But we, you know, it is fun trying to meet those challenges. Um, but the, the club culture here is that pretty incredible actually i mean we we try to um you know this this part of los angeles is pretty specific like they're, they're all the other west side clubs which are great clubs too and and there's some, some good competition that goes on between us and in a good way we just try to uh, all of us just try to do the best that we can um so but but it's fun i mean it's you know the event we had last week that that you were it was a pleasure to meet you when you were here and we just have um yeah, so we, we and one of the things we do too is our education. Um, you know, Mr. Emery has something that he puts together called uh, Riviera University, and all the new staff members go through it. Uh, again, it, it builds on our culture, our history, um, and we build on that. And also our communication. Um, we try to communicate that. We try to communicate all of uh, what it takes to, you know, to be the best club that we can possibly be if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Well, uh, Kurt, people, people always say, you know, the devil's in the details, right? So do you find that to be true? And could you give us a couple examples of, of where that plays out? You know, it's funny. There's so many different things that happen, but um, one of the things that like the very, when I first started, this was a long time ago and there was a um, actor, I don't know if you remember, his name was Phil Harris. He was Bing Crosby's good buddy, and and he used to be part of the clan bake down at Pebble Beach, and he was a band leader. But when it was like my second day here, he shows up. He's got his car breaks down, and it's a Rolls Royce, and he wants to. Um, he needs a he needs his Rolls Royce jumped, and he didn't have AAA, and I didn't have AAA, and there's there was like nobody around, so I tried to jump his car with my. I'm like, I was, I was an AMC Concorde, a 1973 AMC Concorde. So he's like. Um, go ahead, go ahead and do it. And I'm like, I might blow up your Rolls Royce. Like, nah, don't worry about it. Go ahead. And of course it didn't work, but he ended up staying the night with us and he called his wife. His wife was this 1930s actress, Alice Faye, who was, so he calls her on the phone and says, you know, she ends up staying with us. And um, so those are kind of the, 
you know, interesting things that might happen in a, in a, in a day here at the club. And um, that's, I think, one of the reasons why it kind of keeps us, or at least keeps me coming back. And, um, but, but something like that, we just try to, you know, every day it's something, it's something new, um, you know, something fun and something interesting. And, and you know, we just try to do the best we can. Kurt, give me a rundown of like a day-to-day in the life of Kurt there at the Riviera Country Club and, and how that uh, translates into some of the uh, reporting and things that you guys do there. Sure. Well, what I do, usually I'll come in and I'll do a tour of the property or just go to the different departments. And I have been here a long time, so I know a lot of the staff, know a lot of the members. Uh, they'll tell me things that, that just because I've known them for so long, so they'll come up to me and that maybe that's not such a good thing, but they'll let me know. And if, if I hear consistent patterns, then, you know, they'll go into my action log. Uh, we will, and there'll be things that we'll go over and, and have a completion date, and make sure that it, that it t- gets taken care of. Because obviously if we see a pattern, it's something that we want to address and, and resolve. Um, and also same, same with issues with staff. So I'll, I'll talk to staff and they'll, um, if there's anything that is recurring, uh, it's, it's a good opportunity because normally it's not like this reporting. They'll just, you know, kind of give me a heads up on something. And, and again, if it's something that is consistent or you hear it a couple of times, it usually a pattern developed. If it's three times, it's usually other people have noticed and uh, a lot more than that. And so we'll get on it and hopefully it doesn't reach that point, but we'll, uh, that's where the action logs come in and, and we'll, we'll take care of the, you know, take care of whatever issues might be arising or coming, but it's a good way to, to initially take care of that. But that's, that's um, one thing that I do. And then, and then um, just, uh, try to greet as many people as possible. Again, I, like I have been a long time, so we'll talk to uh, members, staff. Um, we've got guests checking into the hotel, make sure that they're that they're comfortable, if they like it. Um, everything is up to speed, um, and just you know, so just kind of, just sort of constant. Uh, and so that's that's pretty much my day. I mean, it's. It's uh, well. Then we have functions. We have events. Uh, make sure the events, uh, you know, whether the the parking lots, everything is up to speed for the guests to come in. Um, people coming down, they're greeted correctly. Um, the front gate uh, greets the guests. Um, you know, they're that they're courteous, they're friendly, uh, but also that they that the people who come in are the are the proper people to to come in and uh, all the vendors are are taken care of. So the, the, those are the, the things that I that I try to uh, go through. Fantastic, Kurt. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, next we're going to move on to Jim Shoemate. He's the director of club operations. Jim, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thank you. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah. So uh, from an operational standpoint, what for you, Jim, makes Riviera so special? Well, I'll uh, get into some of the more technical things that we do. And one of those things we do, um, you know, accountability and uh, measuring performance are very important. And one of the key factors that we found uh, led to our success with that is the use of action logs uh, in our operation um, following the McKenzie model. Um, you know, we use these action logs. They collect information about what the subordinates are doing and because of that, we're able to correlate the usage of the action log with the employee's performance. Um, they allow for measurable and specific task assignment, which is, is crucial. And uh, therefore, we can track the accountability of these tasks and duties with each, each uh, employee. So it, it's a great tool that we use. 
Um, you know, the actual action log, it, it's composed of a series of grids on a spreadsheet. Um, we have a, a block that is a description of the what, which specifically, what is the task or duty? Uh, then we move to the when, which is the realistic date that the what should be completed. So the key word here is realistic. You know, I, I'm, as you know, and as we all know, unattainable goals are, are a curse and that'll cause, you know, morale and performance breakdown. So, you know, we need to stay realistic in what we're doing. Um, the next grid we move to is the when and actual date completion of the task. So we assign these dates and then we're able to measure the performance. You know, does the individual complete his task on time? Uh, does he continually fail to complete his task on time? Um, and this allows us to evaluate the task and the employee and then identify corrective actions if need be moving forward. Um, from that grid, we move on specifically who is responsible. Um, most of these action logs are done one-on-one -on -one, uh, between uh, managers and subordinates, but um, in some cases, there might be multiple people assigned to a task. So we're just specific on who is responsible. Uh, then we move to an another grid, which is comments. And we just use that to give more details surrounding the task, identify possible roadblocks or issues, uh, you know, write down any preliminary information that we've already gotten, um, and, and really describe in greater detail the what from the previous grid and the path to completing the task in the identified time period. So all these add up uh, on, on the spreadsheet to uh, bring us to the final grid, which is a cost grid, which as you know, uh, as we all know, the financial accountability process always needs to be considered sure. um, and, and the budgeting process and guidelines followed. So it's crucial, you know, in any business operation to track costs of any task and, uh, and, and make sure that we are in line with our budgetary process. So that's a, you know, a quick overview of what the actual form looks like. Um, and, and, and tracking performance is really the key sure. to this. Um, you know, we have to, uh, to track the performance. You know, we have tabs on the sheet, which, you know, sometimes we have to move things uh, to put them on hold. You know, it could be a budgetary concern or it just could be an operational issue um, and it goes back to the realistic uh, viewpoint and then another way we can track performance is to move things that have been done to a completed tab and then we can go back uh, and this is a great tool when we do annual reviews or just need to review performance we can go back and see that you know oh gosh look at Jim's uh, action log he did everything on time so yeah it sounds like a great uh, way to, to follow up and then just hold folks accountable. Do you find that it's just a great accountability tool? It, it is. And, you know, the, the measurability and accountability, it, it's, it's just an indispensable tool. And um, we use it, um, you know, amongst all our department heads and all of our managers. And it, it's just a great tool because, as you know, I mean, if we don't hold people accountable, things won't get done. and 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 success is uh, very elusive. So um, it, it's a great tool, you know, but in order for it to be successful, you know, there's some things you have to consider. Um, you know, it's got to be a regular weekly process. You can't slack off on it. You can't 
say, oh, we'll skip it this week, next week, we'll pick it up next month. It's got to be a regular weekly process. Um, you need to continually update and add to the action log. I mean, it'll never end. There will always be things for us to do. Um, and you have to have very constructive dialogue, you know, regarding the action log with with the employee. You can't just write things down on paper and, and not have some constructive dialogue. So it's very important. And, uh, you know, this helps us have better communication with, with the staff as well. And as we just mentioned, the accountability factor, um, that, that's really the key. You, you hold everyone accountable for the things that they've been assigned to do. Um, but also, I think a, a very important part of it is you need to be flexible with the employee when you implement the action log and the task, and then you need to refine it um, and make sure everything is realistic and achievable. So um, it, it, in a way, it's a basic tool, um, but it's one of those basic tools that really helps. And uh, it's, it's, you know, even myself, uh, you know, sometimes I'm a little overwhelmed, but I can always go back, pull out my action log for the week, go through it. And it gives me a really good roadmap on the things and the priorities I have to, to get done. And, you know, by doing all this, it brings us back to what we really want to do here. And that is provide the hospitality that's second to none, be the best of the best. And, you know, getting the operational task all accomplished really leads to that goal. Right. Absolutely. And um, if you, there was one thing, Jim, that you would consider sort of the secret sauce in your process there at Riviera, what would that one thing be? Staying on top of everything constantly. You have to have the vision that our, um, ownership and senior management has of where we're going with the club. And it's just constantly moving forward, getting done what you need to get done. Um, not resting on our laurels. I, I mean, as we talked about before, I mean, the history, everything, the golf course here, I, I mean, it's, it, you know, a couple years ago, uh, Rory McIlroy told Jim Nance that, you know, this was one of the top three golf courses, his favorite golf course on the PGA Tour. Well, wow. you know, we could rest on our laurels, but we, we don't do that. And like Mr. Emery mentioned, every day we look to how we do it better. And so we never look at yesterday. We look forward and we follow these processes such as the action log, um, you know, communication. It, it, it's just crucial to, to the operation. Don, if you're if you're still available, I'd like to ask you just a couple parting shots here. First things first, what are you most proud of when it comes to the Riviera Country Club, Don? You know, this is going to sound cliche, but um, the, the the team that we've been able to put together, and the team starts with the owner and his his dedication to the club. Um, 30, 30 years of owning a single club like this, and and putting the money and the time and the passion that he puts in. But I think that rubs off on the staff. And, and so I would say that the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of is the team that is here at the Riviera now. Um, I, we had a meeting today and I told them how proud I was of the amateur uh, preview event that they did a few weeks ago. And then I mentioned to them that, oh, by the way, the amateur is coming up and we have a wedding this weekend. And you know, we expect it to be bigger and better than 
the preview was. And so it's that constant improvement. But I, I'm proud of the people. You know, lots of um, courses are in great shape. Uh, lots of clubhouses have history. Um, lots of buildings look really nice. I think the difference is uh, in the people. But I think the difference also for us is, you know, if, if, if you go and buy a car, you, you look at kind of the MPG of miles per gallon of, of the car. Uh, if you look, look to make an investment, you look on return on investment. What we do is we look at the details, we look at the process, and we look at the measurement. So the things that, that Martine and, and Jim and Kurt were talking about, I think all fit into kind of what makes Riviera tick. And I'm proud of the fact that the team has bought into that idea. Um, you know, when I got here, they had had a number of managers over the, the, the years, and um, each person has a different way of approaching uh, management. And so they were open to my uh, style of management. Um, they were open to being pushed, and, and we do push the staff. I mean, they, they were being kind to you, but uh, we do certainly uh, give them a run for their money. But the, the execution of what they're able to do using our processes, we think is real exciting, real um, world-class. And so I'm proud of the staff. The, the team, uh, from our interns to our long-term staff, as Kurt mentioned, they're the people that make Riviera shine. Yep. And it shows, like I said, you can, you can see it in, uh, in every little detail. Last, last thing for you then, Don, before I leave you today, what's, what's the most remarkable thing that's happened to you or, or one story you could tell us about the Riviera Country Club that's special for you? Wow. Now, now as Kurt said, I think one of the things that Riviera does to you, which is, which is kind of weird, but each and every day, Something pretty amazing happens, um, and it usually happens with people that you would see on the news or in the sports pages or something. We we look at the staff to c- communicate to us about their wow moments, and it's just um, it's just time after time. It's it's Archie Griffin from Ohio State missing his car to the plane and one of our employees driving him to the airport. It's the president of another club during the U.S. amateur preview who lost a button on his jacket and the staff not only sewed the button on, pressed it, but put it in his locker while he was out playing golf. Wow. It's, it's the fact that when we, we had a couple the other day celebrating their wedding anniversary, there's a personally signed card in their room. It's, it's, Every little piece of detail and and knowledge about the members and our guests that um, Martine mentioned that really is part of the culture and the fabric of the club. And I don't want to single out one thing. I mean, I've I've met presidents and I've met prime ministers and sports stars and movie stars, and that's great. But again, I think it's the collective story of the little things, the small details that our staff does without really thinking that it's special. But to me, having been in the business for almost 30 years, I know that doesn't happen at every hospitality place. That doesn't happen at every club. And so for that reason, it would be a collective, a collective nod to the special moments, the small details that make Riviera special. 
It's true. Uh, it happened to me. I walked into my hotel room two nights in a row, actually. The first night, there was a picture of my foursome sitting on my bed uh, when I walked into the room that evening after dinner. And the next evening, it was a wonderful history of the Riviera Country Club, a nice, beautiful book that, that you'd placed on my bed. And so that's those magical moments are really, that, that's, what, that's what separates a great brand and a great club from, from, from just another one. And you guys do that so well. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining me on this episode of Private Club Radio. And I hope I get to talk to you and, and visit you sometime soon. Well, we appreciate the opportunity to kind of tell our story. And uh, we were so, so pleased that you were able to be part of the story and part of the history by being uh, at the U.S. Uh, Amateur Preview. Uh, for those who are interested, we'll be on Fox Sports for the whole week. And Fox Sports 1, look at your local TV listings for the amateur. and uh, and, and then. We'd always love to show fellow managers uh, our hospitality and and have them come to uh, see the best practices in in person. So thank you. Yep. And I I invite everyone, if you've never been to the Riviera Country Club, you ever get the opportunity, that is a place to see it, to believe it. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of Private Club Radio. And until next time, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.